Well, welcome. If you have been at the cabin all summer, I am your new senior pastor. Hello. It's good to meet you. Um, we're jealous that you spent the summer at the cabin. Um, it is fall, my friends. For some of you, that is hopeful. Your kids went back to school. You're breathing. Uh, for kids, awesome. Uh, it's also, for a lot of us, this is football season, and I've been here about three months, and um, I believe I've converted everyone to be Broncos fans instead of Vikings fans, so feels good. That's the gospel right there. Let's close. We are... Uh, like Connie said, extremely excited that fall is here and we, in a way, are back together, that there are those among us who are new and uh, we appreciate you being here. We're honored by your presence. And in light of that, we want to do a three-week series that we are calling Echoes. And the idea of it comes from a book called Simply Christian by a writer named N.T. Wright. And often in Christianity, when we do an apologetic, when we try and defend the Christian faith, what we do is we try and do it with a set of facts. Here's why the Bible is true. Here's why Jesus existed. Uh, the Case for Christ, a book by Lee Strobel, is an example of that. Mere Christianity, one of the great books of all time, by C.S. Lewis is an example of that. And that, that is great, and it has its place, and it has its meaning. The challenge at time is for every defense we can give, somebody else can give a counter defense. And that's why we call it faith a little bit at the end of the day. So what I want to do over the next three weeks is look at our faith and try and make an argument from our faith that is not so much about a list of facts, but it's about the longings and desires that I believe the Bible says all of us have. And that's why we're calling it Echoes. That there is something deep inside of us that points towards something that is larger. And uh, it's a little bit like a signpost. If you come up on a, to a street and there's a signpost that says such and such a town is 30 miles to the right, the sign itself is not the town, right? You've got to actually take the turn and drive to the town. And I think these echoes inside of us are like that. That they point towards something greater, but you have to, I have to actually make the turn towards that. And so this morning we're going to talk about the echo of a voice, or you'll, you'll hear me say the idea of spirituality. That deep inside of us, we have this yearning for a relationship with the other. And I think when we understand it through God, through Jesus Christ, that meaning is actually fulfilled. Next week, we're going to talk about the echo of relationship. That we believe scripture tells the story that we are built for, made for relationships. And although many of those are broken around us, I think when we see it through God revealed in Jesus Christ, we find hope. And then the third week, we're going to talk about the echo of justice. The line that so many of us say from early on, which is, that's not fair, points to the God that wants to make all things right. And when we glimpse it, and when we see it, when we taste it, when, when we almost scratch at the surface of justice, we begin to sense that there is something other than just the echo. That there is a God who is alive and active and doing something. So this morning, I want to talk about the echoes of a voice or the echoes of spirituality. And it's interesting, if you look at the last, especially 100 years, what we call the modern era, and via secularism, via naturalism, we've tried to push all things spiritual, all things God out through science, through scientific thinking. Richard Dawkins, one of the most popular atheists of our times, he says it this way. He says, faith is the great cop-out. The great excuse to evade the need to think and evaluate evidence. 
And we've tried to do that. We tried to put spirituality on the back burner and be able to logically define everything. But the challenge is, even in trying to push it off to the side, the rise of spirituality is all around us. If you look at the research, the generations that are coming behind us, it says that they're not going to church. And a lot of us, we, we get uptight about, them. they're not at church, they're not at church, but it's intriguing. There's a rise in spirituality among them. That there's still this inner thing, that, that there's something beyond just me that I'm drawn to. I Maybe I don't see it clearly, but there's this rise in spiritual interest. The song that Christian and the band did there for the offertory is called Awake My Soul by a popular band called Mumford and & Son. And uh, they are absolutely amazing. Stacy and I went to the Excel Energy Center on Wednesday night and heard them. And 20,000 people, this place packed out. And when they came to that song, which is the lead singer is a Christian, the rest of the band was sort of call themselves spiritual. When they came to that song, we're standing up and 20,000 people at the top of their lungs are literally screaming the song, Awake My Soul. There's this spiritual way in which we are made that's almost undeniable. And it's undeniable by experience. The challenge is, and we'll see this as we look at the Christian story, the challenge is it's an echo. And for some of us, it's a very faint echo because of the brokenness and sin that reside in all of us. And that's what we want to talk about. How can the Christian story, how can scripture point us towards answering, bringing meaning to the echo and making it more than just an echo? So we do that by starting all the way at the beginning of scripture in Genesis 1. And before we jump into Genesis 1, let's pray. Gracious Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak through your word. And God, as we look at these deep longings, desires that I believe are in all of us, they may be so faint. We've pushed them aside so much that we can barely hear them. God, I pray that you would shout this morning. And that through your story, you would shout hope and joy and meaning and love into the echo that is simply about spirituality. I pray this in your name. And all God's people said... Amen. If you've not been around the church much, Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 are the start of the Christian story. It talks about this creator God. And so we're jumping into it a little bit. And we start at verse 24 after God has created uh, many different things. It says this in verse 24. Then God said, let the earth produce every sort of animal, each producing offspring of the same kind. Livestock, small animals that scurry along the ground and wild animals. And that is what happened. God made all sorts of wild animals, livestock, and small animals, each able to produce offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. And it's interesting, the us language. Most scholars would say that even in Genesis 1, we have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit at work, active in creation together. Some have said that the act of creation is like taking a, a cup and pouring water into it. And when it starts overflowing, that's how creation happened. Because God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit were in such perfect unity that they could do nothing other than create. We are the overflow of the triune love. 
And it says this, they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We gotta stop for a second because this image of God is so important for us to understand. The Greek word for this Hebrew word is icon. For most of us, when we hear icon, our, our mind quickly goes to a computer, right? If you have a computer that is from the hands of God called Apple, if you have a PC, it's going to break down in the next week or two, but if you have an Apple, there's a little thing on the screen that you double click on, and what happens? It takes you into a bigger reality. That's the understanding of icon. That we were meant to reflect, to point people towards the creator. When we talk about giving God glory, that's actually what giving God glory is. We're made, it, made in his image. We're made as icons of the creator and we are meant to be like God, reflecting glory like a mirror back to God. In the time that this was written, it was very much like a religious icon where someone would go and they would kneel down to this image. And the image was not meant to be the God. It was meant to represent, to reflect the God. And the way in which it was structured, what it looked like, it was meant to give that person a, a reflection into the deity that they were praying to. That's what we were made to be. And in Genesis 1 and 2, there was no echo. There was no echo. Keep reading in verse 28. It says, Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it, reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Then God looked over all he had made. He saw that it was very good. When we were made as icons of the creator God, we were made to do a few things. We were made to be in relationship with God. In Genesis 1 and 2, God walked with his creation. Can you imagine that? God walked with his creation. In chapter 2, in the creation of Adam and Eve, it says that it was not good for Adam to be alone. Not only did God come down and relate to them, they were made to be in relationship to each other. Some of us probably, like, what was that like in Genesis 1 and 2 when Adam and Eve had like this really good marriage? Does that mean there was no fighting or does that just mean that the husband said sorry more quickly? Like, what, what was it like? But they were in good relationship. We're made for community. We're going to talk about that next week. And then very importantly, they were made, and the language sort of gives power, you know, reign over the earth, do this, do that. The, the language is much more, if you look at it, they were basically made to garden with God. They were made to care for the garden, the good creation that God had made. And as icons, none of that goes, that's what we're made to do. That's why we're doing this series. I think that's where the loudest pointing towards God actually happens, that deep down, every person here, every person you come in contact with was made in the image of God, made to do exactly what we just said. But then the story goes to chapter three. And chapter three is where Adam and Eve are tempted, they fall, and here's why they fall, verse, verses four and five. The serpent is talking. He says, you won't die. He says to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God. And you will be like God knowing good from evil. 
I think where Adam and Eve fell and in the Christian story, we believe for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. We are fallen and broken just like Adam and Eve. And at the core of our fall, at the core of our rebellion against God, is we all in different ways want to be God. The challenge is we look at society, we look at our marriages, we look at our neighborhoods, we look at the world around us and we have not done a great job being God. Right? If we're really honest about what we see around us, we have not done a great job being God. And that's where the echo and our sin and brokenness go hand in hand. That's why it's an echo. Because my want for more, my desire to be God, my greed, my lust, my anger, my wrath, my desires, not only break me, they continue to break the world around me. But the beauty of it is God does not leave us in this predicament where it's only the echo and no idea of what hope could be like. And it comes back to this. If the Christian story is true, if there really is a God that we can know most clearly in Jesus Christ, then we should not be shocked that there is an echo of spirituality in all of us if this story is true. Because in the Genesis account in Jesus, we're going to go to John and in Jesus, we see a God who loves so deeply that he pursues and pursues and wants to be in relationship with his creation. So that takes us to John 1, if you have your Bibles. It'll be on the screen as well. But John chapter 1. And John chapter 1, in a really cool way, reflects some of the language in Genesis 1. And there's this tie between these two. John 1 verse 1 says this. In the beginning, the word. If you go back to Genesis 1, how did creation happen? God spoke. And in spite of our rebellion, we come to John 1 and the word comes. In the beginning was the word. The word already existed. The word was with God. And the word here, by the way, is Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. And here's an important, important verse. If you're coming to church, you're wondering what God is about, because here's the honest truth. As Christians, we don't always do a good job reflecting God. Many people think that God is about judgment. God is about whatever that next group of Christians are against. God is about legalism. God is about a set of rules. Here's what God's about. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in darkness and dar darkness can never extinguish it. Jump down to verse 10. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people and even they rejected him. But to all who believe him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn out of a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And here is one of the pivotal verses in all of scripture. So the word became human and made his dwelling. And that word for dwelling is tabernacled. In the Old Testament, they, they thought they experienced God's presence in the tabernacle, in the temple. And now in the story, even though we've rebelled against the creator God who made us as his images, his icons, and now in the story, 
the word becomes human and tabernacles among us. It's absolutely amazing. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. We have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Verse 18 says this, No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who is himself God, who is near to the Father's heart, has revealed God to us. If you, this, is, this verse is so key. If you're checking out the Christian faith and you have all your defenses and walls built up, but you know there's an echo inside, this verse is so important because the way to understand God is to look at Jesus Christ. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to understand the heart of God, if you understand what God is about in the here and now even, look at Jesus Christ. That is God in human flesh. That is God in human flesh. And it says this at the end of the book of John. As John tells the story of Jesus. Get to the end, he says, but these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing in him, you have life by the power of his name. We've sort of given an overview of the Christian story to say that echo that is deep inside of us. I think that meaning is found when we put this trust in what Jesus Christ has done. And what God in human form has done through his life and death and resurrection. But I think for some of us, we need more than just words. And so this is one of my favorite ways to tell the Christian story. There's a resource called Matthias Media. Um, it'll be up here on the slide. And uh, it's out of Australia and it's a way of telling the Christian story. And uh, I think it may recap what I just said in a more effective way for, for some of us. But here is what I think is the true answer to the echo that is in all of us for that spiritual connection, the connection with the other. The first act of the story is this, is that there is a loving ruler named God. He made us, he made us to be rulers with him, this world. He made us to be in relationship with him and each other. But the second act is also just as true. We all reject God as ruler. We try to run our own lives our way. And if we're honest, we fail to run our lives and society and everything around us. And this is why spirituality is simply an echo. And not much more than that. Third scene. This is one of those ones that as a pastor, it's hard to get up and talk about. But the reality is there's a third act and God won't let us rebel forever. And God's punishment is death and judgment. But the reality is this. This is something that's hard to say. It's hard for Christians to talk about. Like there, there's a God who's going to judge. But here's the truth. God is good enough to take our rebellion seriously. And if you're a parent, you get that. There's a God who's good enough to take our rebellion seriously and won't let us live in that willful rebellion forever. But thank God that's not the end of the story. The fourth act is this. Because of his love, God sent himself, his son, Jesus Christ, who lived fully under the reign of God. He died to take our punishment and to give us forgiveness for our sin. Next act is this. God raised Jesus to, to life. And this Jesus will rule the world. One day he'll come back to judge and fully do that. But the reality is he wants to do that now through us. And so we come to the decision that we all have to make. 
there's two ways to live. One is we can live the first way and we can choose to continue to let it simply be an echo. Or we trust in our own ability to rule and lead. And my understanding of how that looks, my understanding of how that looks in my life is things will continue to be broken around me. When I am king, things don't look great. Or you can choose on the right. You can choose the forgiveness that Jesus Christ gave us in the cross. You can choose to trust and submit to the rule of Jesus Christ in your life. And that echo that seems to reside so deep inside of you will cease to be an echo and you'll find meaning. Galatians 2 verse 20 is one of my favorite verses. It says this, Paul says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Tim Keller, just one of the greatest pastors of our time, he tweeted this this week. He said, putting our faith in Christ is not about trying harder. It means transferring our trust away from ourselves and resting in him. Friends, wherever you're at on the spiritual journey, whatever that echo looks like, we believe that this is the greatest story ever told. We believe that when we choose to move the trust from ourselves to this loving creator God who made us in his image, who's come to redeem us, it's no longer an echo and you will find meaning and hope beyond imagination. But it takes moving away from trusting ourselves. We've got to admit our brokenness and we've got to move towards a God that wants to love and forgive and lead our lives. And this is what anybody in this room, this is what you've experienced when you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And we all know it's not perfection. It's not some weird, ignorant bliss. But the echo is moved from simply being an echo to a place where we know that that deepest longing for spirituality, the voice inside that we hear so faintly, has now found meaning and hope and redemption and beauty because we have put our trust in Jesus Christ. That's the beauty of the Christian story. It's that profound and that simple at the same time. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for each one in this room. God, I pray for those who are wondering about faith. Maybe they've been there, maybe they've run from it, heard it about it as a kid, but are checking it out again. God, I pray this story of who you are, of how you want to answer that echo would be clear. And that they would step into that meaningful, trustful relationship with you where they provide forgiveness of sins, where you begin to remake them as icons reflecting you to the world around them. And then God, for a lot of us who, we've been doing this thing. We go to church, we're pretty religious. We think we can make it on our power. God, I pray that we would be reminded that we are completely, completely 
lost without you. And God, in ways we would choose to trust again. In this journey of faith. And pray this in your name.